Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am very excited to bring you the second part of my interview with April. We got into some good stuff, and I definitely think that it was worth airing all of it, which is why I split it into two episodes. It's really cool when you meet somebody for the first time and uh, you can have a conversation like this. We had only met um, shortly, uh, maybe a few days before, and we went back and forth with a couple emails about scheduling, but really didn't get to know each other at all until we started the conversation uh, a few minutes before we started recording. So I I find that I'm a very socially awkward person. And for me to uh, connect with somebody is a, a really cool thing, especially on that level very quickly. And uh, I was very interested in the conversation that we had, and I hope that you guys enjoyed the first part. And I hope that you'll enjoy the second part even more. And then when you go back to the first part, even more than that last part. And I could be wrong because I edited all of this at the same time. I believe it is in this part where I do a my Tony Danza impersonation. But to be fair, I have to credit this impersonation really to Frank Caliendo because he does a very, very solid uh, impression of Tony Danza. And I really learned how to speak like Tony Danza by listening to Frank Caliendo speak like Tony Danza. And so uh, it really is. I'm speaking like Frank Caliendo. I really wish I could do his Al Pacino. It's it's so amazing. He sounds so good in the beginning. He didn't he didn't really have the right um, inflections while he was getting started. But when you look at uh, some of the early Mad TV skits and stuff where he had started doing Pacino. But man, he's got it now. And it it is just fantastic. It just I, I kind of want him to hang out with Al Pacino and see what Al Pacino thinks of him. I've never heard Pacino comment on it. But anyway, uh, Frank does a great job on this. Very, very talented guy. Came from Mad TV and uh, did a lot of work in sports with his John Madden impersonation and um, his Jim Rome, which I had no idea who Jim Rome was. But uh, I have listened to Jim Rome now to see how close Frank was. And Frank is actually better at being Jim Rome than Jim Rome is. At least I think he's far more interesting anyway. Uh, but that's just me. I'm not a sports guy, so that kind of makes sense anyway. Uh, but April is fantastic, and I'm really, really happy to bring back uh, the, the rest of her interview to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed my show last week where I had the pleasure of interviewing Mick Box from the legendary band Uriah Heep. Uh, I do have a little bit of an update. There has been a little more information that has come out on the box set. And uh, it doesn't appear as though there are going to be any bonus tracks. It looks like it is the initial album releases. Now, they had a weird thing where in America, they had uh, different versions of the albums come out than the European versions. So uh, I I would imagine that these will be the European versions of the album. Um, I'll be curious to see, but there are no bonus tracks. It doesn't look like there's a new mastering done to it. It looks like it's the original pressing. So that's kind of cool. It's it's the classic sound, the classic way it was done, what we're all used to. I really go back and forth with things being remastered. Sometimes I think it takes the personality away as we're using all this new equipment to quote unquote clean things up. Um, you know, we've talked on the show many times about how the albums have personalities based on the recordings. And it, it's it's kind of like some of this stuff is being removed and the albums are losing a little bit of their personality. So personally, I prefer it to be the original versions and nothing that's been uh, had any treatment provided to it. Um, I'll, I'll be uh, curious to see. But I also did get a peek at mix picks for his CD. And if you guys listened to the show last week, you'll know what I'm talking about. 
he did not pick Easy Living, so I do not have to have a conversation with him, although I hope that I do get to speak with him again at some point. Uh, but but I uh, I told him if he picked that I would be uh, I would be up in arms and uh, I do not have to be because he really did pick all deep tracks and some very very good ones uh, actually uh, pretty much everybody did uh, the four bonus CDs that come with that so that's coming out sometime in October I still do not have a date for that more updates coming as I get them and as shows are released because I'm not going to release a special show just to tell you about that update so anyway. Uh, that's everything that's going on. The album is well underway. I've now finished two songs for it. Uh, while I've been doing a bunch of other things, I have a new project that is going to be coming up sometime also in October. I will be announcing that soon as I solidify some of the details, but I'm very, 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 very excited about it. It is going to be a, uh, a long-term commitment that I'm excited to make. So, uh, I'll give you guys some more details on that soon. In the meantime, here she is. blame ourselves for how people are like if some like if you know relationship doesn't work out we kind of blame ourselves but really it's that person so oh, it's totally them it's that person and then you possibly but two different things going on you can't compromise on it and that's it yeah it's simple um but uh oh you were talking about earlier um like people are getting more honest with each other on social media and just fights in the comments more often or on YouTube. YouTube always has fights. Twitter always has It's just more that I think people are so focused on getting their statement and their opinion across that they don't really care. Like, it's like they're a megaphone, but they don't have any ears. I've become guilty of this. I don't mean to talk about myself and be a megaphone, but I've definitely become guilty of that. Mm-hmm. It's only where I want to get my point across, like, viciously. Like, I've gotten more could be again the administration that's in office but i've gotten more like what about me uh just more about myself uh because i used to actually help other people with i used to be more helpful towards other people and like maybe getting their projects done like their movie projects or getting guests famous people for their podcasts Mm -hmm. be more helpful with that and i was like well what if i was helpful towards myself more and and then i don't know with everything going on, like protests and stuff, it's like the injustices that have been in our faces, but just hidden and we accepted them for so long. I think the acceptance part of like the social injustices is what bothers me. Mm-hmm. And that's given more people like, I need to talk about myself and stuff like that. Right. Both sides feel like the injustices are like, uh, nothing to be bothered about. And then the other side's like, no, we need to be bothered about it. It's been going on too long. So it's caused a lot of like people wanting to get their point across. I think that way as well, which I've been guilty of um, meaning I'm actually, so I'm sticking up for people who are bothered by the injustices. I'm not on the side of like, let's ignore women and, and black people. Let's I'm not on that side. Um, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think I'm like, so I'm, I've been helpful in a way of just like speaking up for myself as a woman and then people of color. And uh, I recently, actually just a few minutes ago, I'm not banned on Facebook anymore. So that's good. <laughs> um, Had you been? I've been, yeah. Since the protests have started, I have been banned a few times from Facebook. Wow. 
Because, I mean, I really, you know, was mad at my own people, meaning the people of my skin color. Just, like, there'd be people who didn't, just the ones who don't see what's going on. And I was also in that place where I didn't see what was going on years ago. And somebody got went down my throat about it online, and I still didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So I was in their position. It's just, like, there's some things I've said on Facebook in the comments of other people's posts where I'm trying to like make, help them understand like, like what's going on or like why uh, hostility toward uh, police hostility towards black people is just astronomical compared to like white people basically. And uh, other things, that's just one of the things, but other things going on, like uh, black people being skipped over for jobs or just not even considered because of their name, because of their skin color, that sort of thing. Right. And um, yeah, I've definitely gotten in trouble on Facebook for trying to like explain that. And again, like there's some things in the past where maybe I didn't understand things and people like attacked me in the comments. And now I'm like, Oh, I see why they were mad at me. Okay. I see why they were mad at me for not understanding of some aspect of like, societies and justices years ago well i had uh i had a job where uh years ago and my one of the people in the company had left and they were taking that person's responsibilities and splitting them up between several other people and before that person left they had a meeting with me and they explained their duties and what i was supposed to do and uh then they left and then my manager said uh okay what's going on i said well i really don't understand what i'm supposed to do and they said, well, you had a training, and so we're going to set up another training. And in the course of that second training, now directly with my manager, I, I pointed out all the, port, the points where what the person told me was contradictory to what the actual job is. And then they understood, oh, now I understand why you didn't get it, because you were told wrong. Well, right, but you you had somebody train me. You just assumed that I knew everything. So that's why I think it's important to understand why people think the way they do so that we can then say, okay, I understand why you think the way you do. I want you to understand why I think the way I do. And maybe we can find that common ground in the middle. But if all we're doing is just speaking and shouting out and saying, here's what you need to see. We need to understand why people see things the way they do so that we can show them here's what works about that. And here's what doesn't. Yeah, I totally agree because I think these days we expect everyone to know everything because of Wikipedia. We just expect everybody, you should know that. Right. And that's, that really sucks that, um, yeah, people are just saying their side, they're not even trying to um, help others understand. I'm trying to help others understand, but I'm probably like definitely being gangster about it, like being like um, super direct about it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's actually this whole thing where we're trying to understand each other is what's going to like tear us apart or what is tearing us apart. But I mean, like if you if you take somebody who, let's say, was brought up in the South, like in the Bible Belt, and they have certain uh, racial feelings, it's not just telling them that they're wrong is not going to change anything. It's showing them here's why this is unhealthy and here's why what you're doing really is still hurting people you know, getting them to understand that the way that they've been programmed, because that's what it really is. It's not what they think. It's what they've been programmed to think. Exactly. Yeah. Like diffusing all of that so that they can see a different perspective. I think that is is helpful. Um, what I just see most people doing is, no, you're wrong. 
and yeah. you're the cause of the problem and you need to die. I hear a lot of like truth, like in the comments, someone's like truth. And I look at the post and I'm like, this is not the truth. Like yeah. if you if you were to fact check this, um, like they're taking people's opinions and being like truth. And I'm like, no, it's just an opinion. That's really a hard opinion. And they're really like adamant about it. And that doesn't mean it's the truth. It's somebody's truth, but it's not like the, it's like somebody's personal truth. It's not the truth. Um, (laughs) so that's an interesting time, but yeah, you're right about like people are programmed a certain way. Obviously the lot of, a lot of people are actually a little bit racist, everybody. But I, I think it's really just working together to find a, a harmony within each other. And if we're, you know, poking people in the chest and going, you're wrong, you need to believe this. Like they're, they're more likely going to run the other way than they are willing to say, okay, well, let me hear what you have to say. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if, if somebody's like yelling at you in the comments, you're probably, you're definitely going to like turn off notifications for those comments. Were you banned by Facebook or were you banned because people reported your comments? I don't know. It says Facebook, but it could be that somebody reported it because I, re- I mean, I've said, I've said white folks in comments and Facebook. All I've said is white folks in comments. Like, oh yeah, we white folks are guilty of that. And I've gotten banned based on that. Wow. How dare you? I mean, that's such a hate speech, I guess. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it's the truth, though. Like, <laughs> did you get the part about the truth where we think the truth, like people's opinions are the truth now? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that reference would not make sense. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think a lot of times, too, people just share things like they'll just glance at it and go, yep, and just share it. And they don't even pay attention to what they're sharing. Definitely. I've seen like things about, LA's mayor who's going to shut down businesses who don't close. They're going to like fine them thousands of dollars or shut them down permanently. And that's an article from like March and people are still reposting that. And I'm like, look at the freaking date. I didn't even, someone even, again, I didn't know about this, that people were posting old shit because like, if you post something about the 1800, that's obviously old, but if it looks like a recent article and it's old news, um, I didn't like someone in my comments. This is again something I didn't know until like a few months ago. Someone in my comments was like April. That article is from March or something or wherever. And I'm like, oh, this isn't like entirely relevant anymore. And now I'm noticing that people are posting old things. Yeah. Um, man, I it's it's weird. I don't want there to be like a race war. That's what I'm scared of happening. But no, I I'm definitely with you on that. And and certainly any article that mentions scurvy, you can just dismiss. Yeah, it's it just it. Yeah, I think that people are just, you know, they're they we don't read anymore. It's like we read the headline and we think we know the article. I'm definitely guilty of that. Like, I mean, especially for like improv or stand up, I'll kind of learn. It's it's really we have ADD and it's like we don't want to take the time to learn an entire topic unless we're truly interested in it. And I mean, black people's problems, I am fully invested in learning everything I can. Like I've absorbed as much as I can. Like in in school, you think you learned enough about the Civil War, but no, it goes past that. You you think you learned enough about the 1960s and then you're like, oh, the 1960s are still happening in a different form. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that about the Civil War, because shortly after I moved here to Vegas, a friend of mine was doing, she was the director of a play that was like a, uh, what do you call it? A, um not a table read, but like where they actually perform the play, but they still have the book in their hand. So they were doing that. 
And it was about the end of the Civil War. And I was shocked when the when the play was almost over, something hit me. And I was just I just sat there stunned because in my head, the way that I was taught about the Civil War was the Civil War ended and slavery was abolished. Yay. Okay, great. It was done. And you couldn't own people anymore. But they never really taught us the reality of what happened after that. Like, it wasn't like all of a sudden there were jobs available for all these people. Most of them stayed working on the same farmer plantation that they were working on. They might have gotten better wages and less beatings, but it really didn't change that much right away. And so it, it really, I was ashamed that that hadn't hit me before. I was just stunned. I didn't know what to say. Okay, I think at a young age, I did know that, yeah, it sounds like a nice little package of like, it's over, it's done. But I think I think at a young age, like at least by junior high or high school, I think one of my teachers or one of our history books, uh, I mean, I'm at probably a different age, uh, but one of our history books talked about how things weren't good right after. One of our history books was like, there was displacement and confusion. Like, what do we do now? it's a lot of displacement, like, especially after any war, people are displaced. Uh, there's adjustment, but yeah, it's like, what do we do? And there's still people who are going to probably try to kill you or something, or we, and then there's been an adjustment period for like, what, almost a hundred plus years. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it was just, it just bothered me that I, because I like to think that I'm the kind of person that really thinks about people's feelings and, you know, what they do in situations. Like when a horror movie's over, I'm like, okay, but what do they do tomorrow? Like half of their friends just got slaughtered. Do they just go back to school? You know, and when it came to this situation, it just, it really hit me that I never sat down and thought about what that must have actually been like. Yeah, I think you had a good point about how actually we all think we're good. Mm-hmm. I think we're good. So like, I, you know, I can't possibly be even a little bit racist cause I'm good. Right. Um, but no, you've said some really small undertones of racism, like the things you like, not you, but yeah, people. Um, and I've even heard like Hispanic people be racist towards black people or white people. So I mean, like everybody is definitely guilty of it. Um, but I think I wish we could go back to like, uh, believing in the good of people, but that's, I mean, that's like, we can go back to that, but right now it's like, we need a, there's a, a change happening and I mean, it's happening. It's like, whether you want it to or not, there's, I think there's just always been changes going on throughout history, but right now I feel like there's, maybe we will have a big change and I'm hoping we do. I hope so. I think we need it. We desperately need it, you know, but it's it's going to take everybody working together and everybody to learn how to deprogram all those things because we're not born hating anybody. That's all conditioned, whether it be programming from our, our early influencers like our parents or family or their friends or uh, something that happens to us in life or a series of things that happen to us that make us start feeling a certain way. Um, but that we're not born with that. Yeah. And it's the programming is widespread. So it's like tons of people think similarly and it's like appalling. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the change would be nice, but I do want, I hope, cause I mean, I, I think a lot of like my 
uncomfortable. Well, it's not even, it's not even uncomfortable anymore. I'm just kind of like angry at things like, but it's helping my career actually. So I don't even know, like the, the byproduct is that it is actually helping my career and like get clear on who I am. Like the protests going on in June and stuff and like black lives matter have just helped, helped me more get clear on my own self. And like, I don't know, even before the protests, like this whole year, it was like, I just got really like F meditation, F all that stuff. I need to like really be direct and clear about what I want a lot more this year. And it's, I think it's like, helped me out with winning comedy gross and stuff. But I think like even the black lives matter will like inadvertently it's inadvertently like helping other groups too. And um, some people's anger is that it's not. And I'm like, no, it it's uh, I can see it helping other groups have a voice as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my view of it. And I know some might disagree. Well, that's okay, though. I'm glad that some good is coming out of it, though, because I think the whole point of it, if I understand, is is to really make people stop and think about what their values are, who they are as people, um, you know, see what's working, what's not working for yourself, for your role in society. So if, if those are things that that created in you and it also helped you with your with your uh, passion, then I think that's great. I, how could I not support that? Yeah, you you worded it nicely. I, I'm really not good at wording things. So I really like that you worded it that way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, but I still miss like just believing that people are doing the best they can. I miss yeah. that, but that definitely trapped us. And I, again, this is a political thing that I'm saying right now, but I wonder... Like, it's not even, this is something that like the current president might try to take credit for, but I think because he's in office, he, all this is happening because he's in office and because of who he is as a, like a byproduct of who he is, it's giving like, uh, the majority, which is not white people. The majority, the majority of people are not white. Um, (laughs) but, uh, it's giving like, people who these groups a bigger voice uh mostly because like uh i mean even like four years ago there's stuff like coming out from under the rug right like we knew stuff was coming up being dug up about values of people Mm -hmm. their values like you said and um the only thing with our current president is like it's giving these groups a voice but it uh the problems and or the the things we want, the things that these groups want, is just sitting on the surface. So it's just like making people angrier, you know? Right. Well, and I think I think that's the design, right? Is to just keep everybody all stirred up all the time and, and not, you know, uh, happy and productive. Maybe. I mean, I, I know that like Trump hires people to help his campaigns and stuff and like structure them and like how to word them and stuff. So possibly. Um, uh, but I wonder... If he wasn't, we would inevitably be, we would inevitably get someone like him as a president. So this is like inevitable that this would happen, that all these issues would, all these issues that were kept under the rug would come up. Um, but yeah, it's just that like, 
if he's president for four more years, it's like, what's going to happen? I don't even know. Like, (laughs) I I don't even want to think about that. I I really what I dream of is a world where we all stop looking at each other and saying, this is who you are because of your skin color or where you're from or what your religious group is and judge the person on how they act as an individual. Like, I either like you because you seem to be a nice person and you'll either continue to prove me right or at some point you'll prove me wrong. Or I don't like you because you're just an asshole and I don't need you in my life. And none of that being based on anything other than that person's actions. Yeah, I do somewhat agree with you on that, too. It's not going to happen, but that's that's what I would want, I guess, as as my sort of dream world. Yeah. And like that uh, that gears toward I mean, I agree with you on that, but that also goes back to like. I think that's what we tried to do at first. Um, we tried to just see people as you're kind of veering towards not seeing skin color. Is that what you're saying? I just, I just think it's, it's nothing. No judgment should be based on a person for any other reason than who they show they are. Their, their character. Yeah. Because we have nice people and not nice people in every religion, every race, every, you know, uh, country, every, everything. Yeah. So it's just not fair to base any judgment on somebody because of anything other than their actions. Or like I'm a cop and you have a broken tail light. I'm going to pull a gun on you because you're black. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. There should be well, super defensive because you're black. No right. other reason. Um, I totally agree with that because the other side of it is like the people who are like, I don't see skin color. And I'm like, well, you should because how, do, how else do you celebrate our differences and how else do you like zone in on other people's issues or experiencing if you don't see them as yeah if you don't see them as like you're black oh you're having these problems let's fix it instead because i think the not seeing color thing is kind of like not and again that's not even what you're trying to say right uh, but that's probably what got us in trouble <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's such a weird thing to look at where we are now and think that we started with a clean slate. Like when when the earth was born and people people started, like there had to be a point where there was no hatred, like right in the very beginning. Well, I mean, just as babies, but as far as society, I think we just didn't talk about it. Yeah, probably. Probably. But speaking of differences, I did have another question for you. Um I'm very curious. There are certain professions that, um, you know, of course, so many of them are still male dominated because we still haven't moved past that either. But it seems like in in the food industry, so many of the chefs are male when it's always been said by the, you know, by the egotistical men that women should be in the kitchen and men should be out doing the work. But yet more men seem to be chefs in in the limelight, at least than women. But comedy seems to be a fair mix of men and women. Would you say that my assessment is true or am I off? Yeah, it's definitely a mix of men and women and trans and gay and everybody, every pronoun you can think of. Um, just like anything. Um, but yeah, I have some friends who are chefs, so they're going to love that you said that. And they're male. Like a lot of <laughs> I know are male. Um, you know, uh, I do. It's so funny you said the get back in the kitchen. Cause like there's a few comedians who make that reference. Even women make reference of how like silly it is, but also like they kind of say it sarcastically. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I feel like some male comedians like actually mean mean it, and that's like, oh, well, you're also in the kitchen, dude. And then, answering your question, I'm sorry. Uh, there's definitely a mix of men and women, and I get men asking me like, April, what female comedians do you know? And I'm like, first of all, I'm one of them, and second of all, I used to have a podcast called Please Send Dick Pics. I talk to female comedians, and um, and some like LGBTQ comedians or Q plus uh, LGBTQ plus. I'd be like, listen to my podcast. I have 50 women on. So there's 50 right there. Cause like some male comedians don't even know that women are in comedy. Oh, I got to tell you, I'm again, you were going to say something, but I want to say there was like a, this is a silly, a silly open mic in Phoenix, just a, an open mic. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, some open mics are structured to where like you perform in the beginning it's booked like three or five are booked in the beginning they do five to ten minutes or something mm-hmm. and then the rest is an open mic so you have a sign-up sheet after them okay and um i mean i was supposed to be on this open mic in phoenix and um i i the normal host wasn't there he kind of like showed up got the PA system set up and the mic and then left. He had to leave to do something, but he had like another guy hosting and I'm like on the poster, right? Like I'm on like the flyer or something. And the guy hosting was like, I don't know. It's he's from, he was from Texas or something. He just, no, he's from New He's from Louisiana and he just wouldn't put me up. I was like, Oh, I'm on the poster. I've never run into this issue in Phoenix because like Phoenix is fairly progressive actually, if that's a surprise to anybody. Um, it's, I think it's like a purple state. It's like red and blue. Sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely more progressive than people might think. I mean, I was like, and this guy's from, I don't know, Louis, I don't know what's going on in Louisiana. I can't imagine. I don't know what they're, what they are over there, but um, he was just like talking about female comedians or, or how there aren't any or something. Cause I'd be like, Hey, like, when am I up? And he would just change the subject. He wouldn't even acknowledge that I was up at all. He would look at me really weird. He's like, what do you mean? And then he would start talking about like women or something. And like, he compliment my shoes and he start talking about comedy. He's like, well, in comedy, you know, you have to, you have to do this and that. And, uh, he started like giving comedy advice or something. And I'm like, great dude. Thanks. I'm, I'm going to go like look at my set and just see what I'm going to do tonight. But then he like never put me up and I just left and I told the, told the main host about it. And he said, he was sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then recently this is like, okay. Like any guy, any guy who doesn't think women or gay people or trans people do comedy. Um, you might want to watch your backs. This is like, this is a very gangster statement. I'm about to say, you're going to want to watch your backs because a few months later, like just recently, like this happened last year where he didn't put me on the show mm-hmm. that I was clearly on. And then just like this year, he was in a, uh, like a stand-up comedy battle. I mean, he was okay. He's not the funniest, like, but, uh, basically whoever does the best that night wins like two or $300. Okay. That's a pretty good purse. Right. And there was at least like 15 comedians up or maybe 10, I forget. Um, but yeah, he did not get good. He did not get good marks from me. Luckily he wasn't even like funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, in my opinion, we had like, 
I mean, there was like probably four other judges, three or four other judges. So it's not like, it's not like my voting would, like if he was good, my voting would not have mattered necessarily. Sure. Um, I don't want to say voting doesn't matter. Everyone vote this November, but um, it would have like, you know, maybe a 15, okay, so four, probably a 25% impact. But I'm, I'm saying if he was good, my vote would just have a 25% impact. He probably would have won third place or something and still won money, like $50. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did not. I just gave him the lowest amount of points possible because I'm like, you didn't even treat me well at all. Like, this is where you got to, like, be careful how you treat people because yeah. I'm, I'm sure someone's done this to me. Like, maybe they didn't like me and they didn't. Like, you can't control, like, how someone interprets you if you're being yourself. Um like I could be really nice and somebody doesn't like me and they've probably not put me up or something. I don't know if that's ever happened, but it probably has. Could be sure. But yeah, this guy, I'm like, you are not winning money tonight. And I was just thinking like people, the way they make you feel has an impact on how they treat you in the future. Just. Oh, absolutely. That applies to me as well. It's not just him, but. Sure. But if you're if you're always treating people as as fairly as you can, there's always people that no matter what you do, they're not going to be happy with you. And and that is not a reflection of you. It's more a reflection on them because they can't get past whatever their issue is that day. But if you are working as best you can, as much as you can, then you're going to minimize those things. And if you're like, dude, I'm on the flyer. Do you see my picture? Here it is on the flyer. And he doesn't put you up. Well, that's just not going to help anybody. You know, obviously people may have come there specifically to see you. So to not put you up is just stupid. Yeah. But I got to say, you know, 2020 is a weird year and I loved getting revenge on this guy. Like he's not even, (laughs) he's not even a significant person in the scene, but I was like, Yes, this is super important that I do this because, um, I mean, the best thing for me to do, like I tried to educate him, like you said, on the, I'm on the poster, but I think in general, maybe his background is he doesn't think women do comedy, even though clearly there were women on, there's women on like every show he's on. Mm-hmm. I think he was mentioning that like where he's from, women don't do comedy. And I'm like, I've been to Louisiana and they do. Like, where were you? You know, I didn't, like I've done comedy in Louisiana I've done open mics there. And I'm like, there are women doing comedy there. I know someone, one girl from Phoenix moved there in the past year or two. So it's like, I could educate him. I'm like, no, women do comedy, but if they're not willing to listen, I mean. And, but there's not much you can do with that. You know, I think that. that Report him to Facebook. Like, what do I do? Can I report him to the police? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing is you really never know. But you did the right thing. You didn't raise a scene. You didn't cause a problem that night. You're like, you know what? I'm not going up. Fine. I will walk away and I'll let the guy know tomorrow or whenever you could get in touch with him. Right. If you were to stand there and, and cause a scene and or, or whatever, it's not going to be pleasant for you to get up on stage after you've just had this argument with this guy that you don't even know. It's It's just not going to be a good thing. So I think you handled it the right way. Well, I mean, so old April definitely would have seen that as a good thing. But if he had let me up, I definitely would have trashed him. So that's new April. New April would have just trashed the host because it's an open mic. And maybe, again, that could bite me later if he's hosting like a comedy club. But I would have at least said something about like this guy hosting tonight. You know, I would have said something like, 
he's from Louisiana where people or women don't do comedy. And I've been to Louisiana and I did comedy and here I am now. He almost didn't let me up to me, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's uh, like, that's where like, I think a lot of people on Facebook want their voice. Cause I think a lot of us are tired of just accepting things the way they are. Mm-hmm. So old April is like tired of that too. Just accepting, like, just be Zen, accept it. You've done enough yoga and meditation, just accept it. Well, I think there's a difference between accepting it and doing the thing that's going to lead to the best overall result. You know, like you don't have to accept that he did that. You have a course of action to say, okay, well, you know, this isn't going to work out tonight. He's not going to let me on. Fine. I'll I'll just get in touch with the other guy as soon as I can, which is what you did. Or you can go up there and do that and then possibly damage your career or, you know, whoever's in the audience. See, that's the thing is I always looked at it this way. You never know who is in the audience. And that could be it could be a bunch of people that are just out for a good time, or it could be some guy that, you know, might be a talent scout. Or he could be, you know, a casting agent or something. And so any performance that I ever gave, I always tried to give my best, even if there were only three people in the audience, because you never knew who those three people were. And but I'm a very um, how would you say it? I don't want to say conservative because I don't mean that in the way like. Right, see? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Like, I, I want to do things that are going to be have the best potential for the best outcome. You know, I, I'm not going to go running up and down the street and screaming about something that pissed me off that day or whatever. Um, it's just not my thing. So I think that for me, probably I would have taken the same approach that you did. Yeah. And like long term, I think you're you, my my old self and what you said, how you are works like for a long term. Mm-hmm. But you know, people these days, well, I think they people always love drama, right? So I, I am, this is something I'm learning about myself. I can be like how you are conservative, but I can also start, uh, speak up in front of a ton of people and still have a career that people want to book me for. Mm-hmm. Like I've been speaking up a lot more and just getting booked. I've got more jobs speaking up about things. That's good. People are reaching out to me to like be on shows, be on more comedy shows. They're hiring me to do movie reviews. So I'm learning this new side of myself that has always been there. I've always been a complainer because mm-hmm. I, I grew up on a, I grew up in Mesa and I went to a school where like these girls were so just really good at like comebacks and stuff and they would destroy me. Um, so I grew up with that at a very young age, but yeah, I'm learning to like be how you are, like I said, and balance out everything and do the right thing and like tell the host that this is happening. But then I've also gotten good at like complaining about something, being entertaining. Cause like on stage, I don't always, I've been taught, I can talk really fast and stuff and it's like entertaining and people love it. And then I can still like get booked because like the whole point of art is actually to observe something you just experienced. So it's okay to talk about, it's okay to like throw people under the bus, even just a little bit. So they like, okay, for an example, like it's fun to roast people on stage in the audience. I've roasted like, I'm not entirely the best roaster. I've been getting really good at it. I've won roast, but I wouldn't say I was like the best. Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely clearly people on these roasts who are not good, who got to the final round and they shouldn't have. And I'm like, how did you even get here? And I, I just like obliterated them. But, um, 
Uh, I've gotten good at roast through other friends too, but I mean, here's an example of like, you can definitely speak up and still like get booked. Um, I, uh, people seem to like to get roasts, like audience members, I would say not everyone, but maybe 95% don't mind being roasted. Mm -hmm. Um, I called a guy bald. I did like bald jokes to a guy at like a, a show. And then all of his friends, like he and his friends bought me drinks after they're like, you were so good. And I think it's like, he just maybe wanted attention. I think like when you talk about people in the audience, they secretly want attention. So they reward you for it. That could be. And and certainly with those results. So if you are getting booked a lot more with yeah. that, with that approach, then, you know, maybe you have it right. And I should be a little more uh, assertive before you die, before you die. Yeah. Yeah. Like on my last like three or four days, I'll be like that pudding wasn't good. Like you'll be on your deathbed. I should have spoken up more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. My biggest thing is I, I don't want to be on my deathbed and look back and go, what if I would have tried harder? You know, that's that's the biggest thing to me in life. And that's, I think, why I work the way that I do, um, because I work pretty much day and night. And whether I'm doing the podcast or working on music or a book, um, I'm just like constantly on the go. And that's why, because I don't want to have that regret when it's over or when it's almost over. I totally feel you on that. Like I want to audition for I want to audition for Saturday Night Live. Do so it. I hope it won't happen. Well, yeah, definitely. But I want I was going to um, talk about your uh, thing that your your sketch that you're doing tomorrow. But I realize that this isn't going to air until Wednesday. So that will already be over. No, it won't be over. No, it won't be over. They're posting it so anyone can see it. Oh, OK, great. Where will that be at? Um, it's going to be on Matt Jones, M-A-T-T Jones. It's going to be on his page and he's in L.A. So it's a common name, but just look for him. Okay. I'll put it on my page, probably. So Perfect. Um, yeah. th- that's great. And then you have another one coming up soon? Yeah, I need to, I have an editor editing something I, me and a friend wrote. So um, it's, it's taken a while to get it out, but um, uh, it's not a while. It's taken a month, but it should be out in September. Oh, very cool. And yeah. of course, you know, I'm going to I'm going to have the YouTube uh, your YouTube channel in the links as well in the show notes so that people can see the stuff there. It's really good. Oh, OK, great. OK, because there's some really good stand up on there. And I was I was going to tell we we talked a little bit about this before the show, but I really like your delivery. Like you have a certain I don't know if cadence is the right word, because it really seems to 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 change as you go through. But you just have a certain way of delivering your your dialogue that I really enjoy. I think it's very uh, comfortable. I guess would be the right word for me. Can you do an impression of it? I love impressions. I cannot. Okay. <laughs> I can, I I have been working on my Tony Danza impression for about 20 years now. Cool. Can you do it right now? It's really bad. Well, I want to hear it. Because you say, Jonathan, Samantha, Mona. That's really good. That's all I, I got. Thought him. I know <laughs> that's really good. No, dude, that's really Thank good. Thank you. I can't do any other words, though. Like, I can say everyone's name and that's about it. Can you say my name? As Tony Danza? Yeah. Because you say April Waltershed. You sound like Homestar Runner on that one. I sound too, uh, what, Brooklyn maybe in that? I don't know. I'll work on it. Uh, I feel like Homestar Runner from Utah or something, but (laughs) might be. Um, Yeah, that is homestarrunner.com is what we're referencing. It's really good cartoons. Cool. Yeah, I'll just hear people do an impression of something and I'm like, like I do Joan Rivers and it's actually pretty close to Woody Allen. And I didn't like when you start doing it or hear it, you realize that 
somebody's accent is kind of like another person's accent, but it's a little amazing. Yeah. My Al Pacino is very much like Joan Rivers. Oh, can I hear it? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't have an Al Pacino. Oh, okay. uh, I, I would, you know what I really want though, is I want Christopher Walken to be the voice on like a GPS. Yeah. I can't even really, that's the one voice I haven't tried doing yet. Like, um, that is such a specific voice. Like he does not, there's no one else that talks like that. I know just very truncated. Like he, like he has Parkinson's in his voice or something. And it's almost like he just picks a random syllable to accent, like not even one that would make sense. Just whatever syllable he feels is the one that gets the accent in that word. Yeah. Um, like, Champagne. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't even do it. Um, I haven't even studied it. It's the one thing that like everyone probably wants you to do. And I haven't studied that one yet. I should st- I've heard it, but I haven't studied it. But everybody does Christopher Walken. Kristen Wiig can do it pretty good. Actually, she can. Yeah. Frank Caliendo is another one who can who can do Walken. Well, he can do a great Al Pacino. Oh, I, the one I want to learn is uh, the guy from Home Alone, because my friend wanted me to teach him it, and I almost got it. Joe Pesci? Joe Pesci, yeah. He's kind of got like a smoker, womanly man voice, like um, like, like like a smoker who smoked a long time. Almost like the guy from the band Modest Mouse, the lead singer, kind of talks similarly. Isaac Brock. I saw Modest Mouse live, for anyone who's a fan. And just like the way the singer sounds in his songs, he talks like that. It was very off-putting. I don't know why it was off-putting. It was just like the way he talks is how he sounds in his songs. Because I feel like when people sing, they probably sound a little different than their speaking voice. But his speaking voice sounds like his singing voice. And I'm just like, I was really thrown off by that. I don't know. Uh, I did. I, did uh, I don't know if we ever actually got Weird Al's age. He is 60 now. Oh, yeah. I looked it up. I didn't yeah. mention it. I looked it up earlier. He's 60. Yeah, 41 I think that's still older on though like that's when you've defined who you are you have your likes you have your dislikes you might be open to stuff but you're kind of getting set in your ways at that point oh and everybody a lot of people I mentioned Maria Bamford for or sorry two she got married five years ago 44 she got married okay um but I, if anyone doesn't know Maria Bamford please look her up um, she is a famous comedian that no one seems to have heard of, except if you're from Minnesota. Like one time I got someone in my, I drove Lyft and I got someone from like St. Paul or Duluth, Minnesota. He's like, I know. Cause people ask me who my favorites are. And it's like Emo Phillips, Maria Bamford, John Mulaney, uh, Aparna Nanshula. And another, another comedian I like is Mike Kaplan, my friend, Mike Kaplan. Mm-hmm. And he's a vegan Jewish comedian. And then, I like Hari Kondabolu. I like him. I think I'm more familiar with comedic writers, you know, like Tina Fey and uh, Mindy Kaling and like the the ones that write comedy for TV. Their audiobooks are great. Listen to their audiobooks. They're so great. I really want to listen to Mindy's. Um, I haven't had the chance. Well, I haven't made the time, I should say, to be fair. Um, I listened to Jenna Fisher's, though, the, uh, uh, the Actor's Guide, which was fascinating. Oh, I need to listen to that. Uh, my friend Gate almost let me borrow a copy. I was staying with a friend in Sherman Oaks before I found my place in LA to live. And like she had the book and I just didn't pick it up to read it because I was just there for two days and I didn't even flip through it. I uh, I almost moved to Sherman Oaks. I was living in Chandler, Arizona before I moved out to California. And I drove out from Chandler to Sherman Oaks, which was, I think, six and a half hours to the apartment. 
And I was there for two hours and I turned around and drove back to Chandler. It was the longest day ever. Well, it was a 12 hour day. Um, it's a lot of sitting on your ass. What made you turn around? Were you like, oh, there's no parking. Got to go. Oh, no. I looked at the apartment and I got the application and um, I filled everything out and I just went back home. And then you just broke the contract? No, they didn't approve me. Oh, geez. They kind of told you that. Oh, no. I mean, you were just looking, right? You just found one. We're looking at it and then filled it out there instead of like online or something. Yeah. But what bothered me was I already told her, I said, you know, I don't have a job lined up out there yet. I have a ton of money saved up. I could pay the whole year off. I could just give you the check for the entire year. And they still turned me down. They're like, no, you have to have employment. I'm like, if I can pay for everything, like what's what's the what are you afraid of if I'm giving you all the money right now? That is a problem with being self-employed. Yeah. Like if you don't have employment or even getting a car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is such a bitch. I was, I was not a fan. I feel like in everyone, everyone in LA will just accept any living arrangement. Honestly, like they doesn't, it's not like, Oh, I want to live in Sherman Oaks. It's like, where can I live? Uh, When I got here, I've been out here several times to work on movie sets and stuff Mm -hmm. in the past five or six years. But uh, yeah, I got out here this time to take a second city class in person before everything shut down. And I finished the class, but like halfway through the class, I think I I somehow got like a desk job here. And my friends are like, well, you can't leave now. You have a job and it pays well. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, damn, you're right. I should look for a place to live. (laughs) I got the job. Like I've wanted to move out here since at least I had a chance to move out here in 2017. I had a big savings. And yeah, I think I looked at apartments and I applied for one of them. Didn't get approved either because I didn't have a job at the time. I just lost my job, but I had a big savings. And I'm like, why? Um, But uh, yeah, this time around, it was like I got the job first. But then I didn't need to get approved because like my friend already had a place. So she just wrote up a cute little like thing for me, like a cute little like okay, you can live here, but you got to promise to perform stand-up whenever we show up. <laughs> I think you can live with that. You know, hey, we're going to be a free audience for you without but having they never to... Oh. They never, I, I've been here six months by myself, except, yeah, now she came to get all her stuff, so I'm moving to a new place on September 1st. But um, right. I've been alone for six months. It's been great. Yeah, and, and especially out there because most people can't find a situation where they can live alone. They almost have to take on a roommate or three or four roommates in the same room. I really thought I'd have to as well. I looked at a few places in like February or March with a friend who's good at looking at places and just knowing what to ask. And yeah, there's some weird situations by like, UC, uh, not USC, probably USC, but I looked at a place by UCLA near Beverly Hills. And like, there's some weird situations where the apartment... Mm-hmm. they cram like three people into one room below their actual apartment. Like it's kind of like a basement in an apartment. It's like an apartment with a little staircase basement and it's weird. It's a nice apartment complex, but they cram people in there and I'm like, I don't want to pay 700 for that. Yeah. That's that's. And, and sadly that's an incredible price to pay for something like that. Well, I've seen, well right now you can get like your own room for 700. So I'm like, oh, okay. I would never my friend even was telling me like oh she's definitely doing something illegal like she probably she said she knows like the she was one of the first tenants so she works for the apartment or whatever so she can like definitely get money 
her leasing out a place that she's leasing, you know, like she's renting a place and renting it out, which is, I guess, generally illegal to do. Yeah. Well, subletting is usually uh, restricted in the leasing. Yeah. So she was having like three or two or three people to these small rooms downstairs. And my friends like look for something else. Like she's pocketing it. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as I was like, she was super nice. And as soon as I wasn't interested, she's like, bye. I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you found a place and I hope that you're going to be super happy there. Yeah. It's a, it has cats the next place I'm going and I'm allergic to cats. So I just, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, it, it, that it'll work out somehow to where you don't have to be around cats. Cause when you're, uh, when you're allergic to something and you're forced to be around it, I've been in that situation and, uh, it is not pleasant. Especially two months of it. So yeah, I just might get some wheezing. Hope, hopefully not. Um, they've actually, I asked them cause it's, I asked the people who live there to buy two things off of Amazon. It's a spray for the air that binds with the dander and neutralizes it. And then, and then there's a separate spray for the actual cat. Um, I would never spray this on her cats because I don't want the vet bill. If the cat reacts, the two cats react weird, but basically it's like you put the spray on their fur and it binds with their dander. Oh, okay. So I'm hoping that'll help. And then they have the room I'm staying in. They have an air, uh, air purifier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, at least you're taking all the measures you can. Yeah. 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 It's just a good deal for rent. And I'm like, damn, I get to be by myself for like two months is why I took it. Yeah. And that's, that sounds like a perfect situation for you, save for the cats. Yeah. And I think it'd be good to not be alone, I guess. So I'm, I love cats. I love them so much. That's good. That's good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to chat with you. I hope that you come back and visit us again. Uh, yeah, I'd love to be on again or whatever happens. I'll, I'm up. I'm up for it. <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, see, that's and that's what I was talking about. It seems like as a, as a comedian, you kind of have to not just be fearless. You kind of have to be up for, OK, here's an opportunity. Fine. Whatever it is, I'll do it. Yeah. And then- I mean, save for save for certain things like, you know, being the centerpiece of an orgy. But like any opportunity that you have to get in front of people, to show your skills, to make connections. It's almost like anything in the entertainment industry is like that anymore. Unless it's something that's really off, you kind of just go for it and hope it works out. Yeah. And the other issue that you, well, the issue you kind of run into is like, you kind of lose like enthusiasm as time goes on for these repeated things. So it's like maintaining enthusiasm can be, for me, that's like the hardest thing the same amount of enthusiasm for like something you've already done. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, because you want to continue to grow and do new things. And if you're just doing the same thing or, or, you know, going back to old things that you've done, you don't feel like anything that you've done since has been valued. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm with you. Anyways, I appreciate you having me on. uh, Me. It's good to meet new people. So, oh, for sure, yeah. And for two people that really are kind of uh, isolated loners, it's actually it's actually pretty nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely come back and see us again. I'm wishing you uh, great luck with these new projects, and I'm glad that you're uh, you're spreading your your passion with people because a lot of people they just don't. Yeah, they have the nine to five and Netflix, and that's it. Or they have the nine to five at their work from home, and then Netflix, and then go to sleep. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
for uh, talking with people too. I appreciate what you're doing to talk with different people and what they do and learning about that too. Well, thank you. It's It was one of the goals too, to help um, the audiences, the, the people that we entertain to understand everything that goes into what we do so that they can enjoy it. You know, like uh, one of the earliest guests that I had on uh, worked on a couple of the Cirque du Soleil shows in the wardrobe and laundry departments. And, you know, thinking about one show doing 8,000 loads of laundry a month alone is like, how can you not appreciate the show more when you know that that's what goes on behind the scenes? Oh, my God. Or you become sad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I cannot believe that. I didn't know there was eight. I'm I'm not going to support this show going on any longer and them doing it. So I'm just not going to go anymore. <laughs> like they're abusing people. They're paying them. They're abusing them. 8,000 votes. Yeah, right. They can't even do their own laundry. Maybe they do their own laundry while they're there. I would hope so. I would hope that you just slip your own stuff in, in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you take care. Keep at it. That's the thing. Just keep at it and then come back and see us when you're ready. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You bet. You take care, April. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed the second half of my interview with April. She's absolutely wonderful, very talented. I love how focused and driven she is. I love that she's getting the work, especially during you know this uh, this time where so many performers are not able to perform. So important to find ways around the, the situation if we can. So uh, thank you, April, for visiting the show. I hope that you'll come back on again in the future episode. It'll be wonderful to have you. In the meantime, thank you guys all. Email me, scott at scotthaskin.com. Let me know your thoughts, your feedback. Leave me a rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen, but I'll probably only see it if it's on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys very much for listening. I will be back next week with another episode because why wouldn't I? We have a ways to go. Cheers. Cheers.